I think the what we are going to see on Mars and experience on Mars and uh, is much much more interesting, exciting, and <laughs> all these little things that we can experience and do on Earth is, is nothing comparing to what can happen when we land on Mars. And not only for ourselves, but also for human knowledge, for science, it will be so easy to dig deep underground and see what is there and us and maybe discover a life. That's Mikolai Zelensky, a Polish software engineer based in Dubai and a potential future Martian. Mikolai is one of 100 people shortlisted globally to the Mars One project, an international effort to send humans to Mars in 2031, one way. What would compel someone to leave the Earth forever? Well, I should have some idea. I'm one of the 100 candidates to go too. My name's Josh Richards, and for National Science Week, fellow Mars One candidate Diane McGrath and myself will be meeting some of the other folks who might be joining us on the Red Planet. And we'll be asking the question that everyone wants answered. Why? You're listening to the Future Martians podcast with Diane McGrath and Josh Richards. A special presentation for National Science Week 2018. And today on the Future Martians podcast, I'm joined by Mikolai. Mikolai is a Mars One candidate who works considerably over in Dubai. Mikolai, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me here. <laughs> so how does a guy from Poland who works in Dubai become involved with a project sending people one way to Mars? So simply, I was like probably all Mars One candidates, I was fascinated with space exploration. However. Similarly, like you, I didn't. I didn't want to be an astronaut because, uh, like you, I come from the country that has no that had no space agency, and uh, there was only one Polish astronaut years years ago. Actually, a cosmonaut because he went to space with so uh, with Russian space age at, at the time Soviet Union. Uh, so I knew that uh, I can dream about it, but if I want to enjoy my life, I have to do something else. <laughs> However, I was always fascinated with uh, great adventures and uh, exploration, space exploration and exploration of our planet. And the fact that someone sailed or went somewhere, flew somewhere and discovered uh, something new described and crossed another limit of human knowledge, like, for example, starting from very, very old times, like Marco Polo and or, or Charles Darwin, who his voyage around the world, when he made some observations and led him to you know, discoveries. And then the race between Rod Amundsen and Scott. And even today, for example, recently, researchers of Jacques Cousteau. And also such things like I was doing, for example, uh, people who were just trying to, to cross another limit. However, there was no benefit from for science or for, for knowledge. Like, let's say, people who were traveling around the world with uh, in a balloon, like uh, Steve Fawcett, just to beat another record. And then more useful like expeditions to the bottom of the ocean documented by James Cameron, however, with NASA scientists, and then unmanned mission to Mars. So this was always uh, something like a connection of adventure 
but useful adventure because science could benefit from that. And this connection of science and adventure was something that hooked me up and something that I thought when I got to know about Mars One, I thought, wow, this is the greatest combination, the greatest combination of those two things that I like and I cannot imagine anything better like that. It's uh, it's definitely an extraordinary thing to be involved with. And I agree that useful adventure, not just doing something to break a record, but doing it because you're you're learning more about the universe you live in. Um, I think it's yeah. it's a worthy and amazing thing to be involved with. So um, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> Were you aware of that when you first heard about Mars One? Was that the first thing you thought of that you immediately went, this would be an amazingly useful adventure or did it take time for you to sort of realize? No. It was exactly the first thought. The very first thought, brilliant. Uh, actually, maybe the, the first one, the first one was maybe a kind of uh, surprise and uh, doubt if this is a real thing. <laughs> because when you hear about it first time, five years ago, especially when there was SpaceX was not talking about uh, landing on Mars yet. And there was n not much about Blue Origin and some other companies that were making this possible like today. So five years ago, when someone said human will go to Mars soon, there is already a roadmap and, and fixed dates and deadlines, then it was something like and, and the selection. So uh, I didn't uh, like it was something like the, 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 the joke made by Google and Virgin Galactic on 1st of April. Uh, they also started a selection for Mars mission. They called it Virgil, but it was this was first uh, of April. It was a joke. However, a lot of people applied, and uh, I thought that Mars One is another uh, social experiment or something like this. So, when my friend at work uh, told me about it, because I got to know about Mars One from my colleague, uh, we are both science oriented. That we we like to talk about such things and he just mentioned he mentioned about it and it was one week before the end date for submitting applications for mars one so when he told me about it i knew that this is great i just double checked went to mars one website to, to see who is behind and what is it if this is a really a joke or social experiment or anything like this and then i found Mars One ambassadors, Mars One advisors, and I thought, hmm, uh, if this is something real, then I am in. If this is a joke or anything like this, it's better to just to apply and find out something like that later, but not to miss an opportunity like this. Uh, quickly, I, I convinced myself that this is indeed a real thing. This is something that, yeah, is going to happen. Uh, but uh, from that time, I never had a second thought. I never had any doubt or anything like this. When I decided to apply, this was my final decision. And during last five years, I I never thought that uh, maybe something else. No, the seven days that I had to to submit my application, it was 
full seven days of work only on my motivation letter, my answering to those tricky questions and uh, creating my video. I, I've done the video by myself and all these two things took me seven days and few nights. <laughs> I wanted to make my application really uh, the, as as good as possible. <laughs> And your your application is probably one of the funniest ones, at least for the for the public, uh, where you you tell us all that you're originally from Mars and you're just trying to get back home. I thought that instead of saying, because there was one question that we were supposed to answer about our sense of humor. <laughs> well, you answered it. <laughs> yeah, instead of explaining what what is my sense of humor like, I decided to show it. I thought it will be better. However, you know, there was uh, some people until today, they say that uh, Mars One is a scam. Or, and one of the reasons why they don't, don't take it seriously is my application video. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think your application video is very funny. And I think if people want to take it out of context... Uh, they're going to do that anyway. If yeah. they want to call it a scam, then they're going to do that regardless of you saying you're from Mars and wanting to go back home. <laughs> <laughs> you raise an interesting point before, though, talking about how things have changed over the last five years. That's not something I've heard other candidates talk about during this podcast so far, about how much the technology outside of Mars One has actually changed. You think back five years ago, People weren't talking about missions to Mars the way we are now. We're not see- that we hadn't seen SpaceX land anything on uh, one of the barges. Uh, Blue Origin, like you said, was barely visible. People barely knew it existed at all. Yeah. And now here we are, five years later, and so much has changed, and it's so much more real than it it was when we first signed up. Yeah, exactly. There's people are talking about it, like in everyday conversation, you can hear people talking about going. To Mars, and <laughs> that never happened before. <laughs> no, it's it's extraordinary. It's you've ex- by you mentioning that in this interview, you've suddenly made me realise how exciting it is right now. After all the questions that we've had in the past and all the doubts, like you talk about being fully committed, uh, I have to admit that maybe I wasn't. There were times there where I sort of went, "Is this the right thing for me to be involved with?" And I probably didn't realize how much things were improving around me when that happened. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's obviously been five years that we've been involved with all of this. It's nearly six years since I first heard about Mars One. Um, What have you been doing since? Like what is your your day-to-day life uh, as a a candidate for a one-way mission to Mars? As uh, you already introduced me, I live in Dubai and I work as a software engineer and more specifically as an SAP consultant. SAP is a a big company which makes software for uh, other companies. And yeah, what I'm doing has nothing to do with space exploration. Currently with my uh, teammates uh, at work with my colleagues, we we create an app uh, which will be used by human resources in companies to to deal with visas for the employees. So it's purely um, software um, applications for business, nothing related to science, which um, 
unfortunately at my work there is no way to do something closer to uh, mars related things so either i have to change my job or uh, focus on uh, mars in my spare time and uh, this is what i'm doing currently i just dedicated all my spare time to uh, to to things related to mars to just to 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 be prepared better for the next round of the selection. This is, and apart from this, actually whatever I do, whatever I do is somehow, it has to help me to become a better candidate. This is the decision that I made five years ago. And whenever I make decision what to do, what not to do is always determined by, uh, by the next round of the selection. And is there anything specific that you're doing towards that selection, like any physical training or learning, or are there any specific things that you're doing in preparation? So, for example, when we were when we've got study materials for the previous round, I realized that my academic English is very poor because I was studying in Poland, and in Poland you study at all education levels in Polish, so. I, I know English, but this is this uh, the, the simple English for everyday conversation like we have now. But when it comes to reading uh, papers, students' books, textbooks uh, about chemistry, physics, biology, psychology, whatever like this, then I realize that I don't understand anything because this is different language. It's English, but it's academic English. Uh, and... Even in mathematics, uh, I was studying mathematics and I understand in mathematics a lot, but when I didn't know what such words like perpendicular or <laughs> because this is not everyday and this is not a word used in everyday language. So I decided to go to university and study uh, at the first year um, to take biology 100, 101, physics 101, chemistry 101 and just to refresh my knowledge in all these areas and get English vocabulary, <clears throat> just to make uh, easier reading articles and books uh, about Mars and everything what we are supposed to know for the next round. Absolutely. And I, I think you'd find many native English speakers uh, would consider academic English to be another language as well. Like it's not it's not an easy thing to, to understand, to wrap your head around all these crazy words that you just, yeah, often sit there with a dictionary myself trying to work out what some of these things mean. So you're not alone there. <laughs> uh, there is also another aspect of, of level of uh, English proficiency uh, when, for example, we are going to have some team challenges uh, in the next round of the selection, and then communication will have to be very efficient because there will be no time to ask uh, another teammate who could be a native speaker to repeat something in simple words or, or just repeat something slower. Uh, there will be no time for uh, simplifying some conversation. If someone says something, we have to act, react immediately because there will be time pressure, because there will be uh, some tasks to be done as quickly as possible. And then, uh, for example, maybe brainstorming before uh, solving some challenge, uh, analyzing some, I don't know, instructions. 
everything quickly, quickly, quickly. <laughs> and then uh, again, it may happen that to, 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 for example, to present your idea or to convince someone to your idea, the, the simple language may be not enough. It will be maybe important to, to know English even at this uh, level, which is still I'm trying to reach, which is uh, good enough to have a quick, fluent conversation with all native speakers. Um, because right now, I, I, I can, like with you, I'm surprised because when I met you first time, I couldn't understand your Australian English. <laughs> <laughs> somehow today it's a little bit easier. I don't know why. <laughs> and this is also the issue. One, one thing for Australians in particular, we do naturally speak very quickly. And the first time I met you, I had been under a lot of stress in a, a job that I had just left. And when Australians in particular get stressed, we often speak even quicker and quicker. Uh, and so <laughs> many of us have to make a real effort. Look, for me, for now, I'm making an effort to, to speak clearly, to slow down the way that I speak, knowing that I'm speaking to someone whose English is not their first language. Uh, and so... It's really important for us, especially in that next stage, uh, for people like you know the Australians in particular, that we we slow down. Just because we can communicate very quickly, it has to be clear. It has to be understandable for everyone who's involved. So it's something that I'm really working on is trying to be a little bit slower and clearer in my speaking. <laughs> for me, today is perfect. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so you're obviously working towards a life on Mars and you're shaping yourself. You're doing what you can when you can to work towards that. Can you think of something that other people who maybe haven't signed up for Mars One, what they could do to contribute to a mission to Mars? I think there are two categories of people, those who are sure that they, will, that they want to stay on Earth. Like we want to go to Mars, they want to stay on Earth, and th there is a group group of people. When I meet people and talk about it, it's clear that they are just enjoy life on Earth. And but, however, they really in the, like them that project, and then, and they would like to support it. So um, I can see that right now, if you if someone is not able to work in any space agency or scientific institute which works on uh, those on the technology to develop uh, to develop and make all these missions possible if this is someone like a student of a primary secondary school or uh, some a colleague of uh, me at work those people can just spread the word and read about it and know more details and be able to for example say why mars is still didn't uh, move forward with next steps of the uh, roadmap and to, to know a little bit, to be able to discuss with others who are relying on uh, those articles where everything is bad uh, about Mars One and other scams like uh, moon landing and flat Earth. I can hear a lot of people who ask me if there was really a moon landing, if this was a true and yeah. So people mix all these uh, this, uh, suspicious theories and uh, even they apply them to Mars and use some silly arguments to back up their 
opinions or statements. Uh, so I think it would be nice if we could have around more people who are uh, using who are using critical thinking and rely on scientific facts and uh, scientific methodology to to prove if something is true or not. And if there is another person in the conversation saying that uh, Mars One is a scam, then maybe they could uh, count few facts to to support the 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 idea that it doesn't have to be a scam <laughs> because of that and that. I think this is the simplest thing that anyone can do because when you read articles about uh, who are against Mars One, there are a lot of um, statements that are just made up, and it's easy to say that it's not true. I agree. I I spend a lot of time dealing with people who throw different things at me, and I'm always happy to talk to them uh, because they they may not like what we're involved with, but at the same time, they're throwing facts at you, and if their facts are wrong, um, and you can help them sort of realize that those particular facts and those assumptions are wrong, you may not win them over, but at least they won't go around saying those those incorrect things to other people and influencing them in the process as well. So it's a, it's a continuous battle. <laughs> yes, and even if Mars One makes a progress, let's say that uh, they announce unmanned mission and they hire new engineers and they start the next round of the selection, there will be another doubt, another reason to, again, to, 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 to say strange things and I believe that even after in in 2031 when when first human lands on Mars there will be few a small group of people saying that this is you know done in in uh, like with moon landing that it's fake <laughs> and it's not but I'm I'm I, I, I probably we cannot do much for those people <laughs> I think it's their problem I, I don't argue with people who uh, believe in a flat Earth. So I'm happy to talk to people who say that, you know, maybe Mars One is is not doing things the way they would do things. But if someone wants to argue that the Earth is flat, I, I leave them to it. And I think if they believe that the moon landings were faked or, you know, us living on Mars was fake as well, then there's not much point talking to them, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Miko, uh, uh, assuming everything goes according to plan, like, and you are on that very first crew going to Mars and you're going to be living on Mars for the rest of your life, is there anything that you would like to do while you're still here on Earth before you left? Uh, you know, I've got the same questions a few years ago when one colleague asked me, and I was thinking about it quite some time, and eventually I came to the conclusion that, no, there is nothing. If I could go to Mars tomorrow, I can go tomorrow. There is nothing that I want or I should do. Or okay, saying uh, goodbye to my family or something like this is is uh, of course uh, something that I want to do. But going to to doing some one hundred things before you die, or going to five hundred one places to see before you die, or reading one hundred books before you die, all these lists. Uh, uh, no, I have uh, no. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't feel I would. I would have to. I would like to do anything like this. 
I think the what we are going to see on Mars and experience on Mars and uh, is much much more interesting, exciting, and <laughs> all these little things that we can experience and do on Earth is, is nothing comparing to what can happen when we land on Mars. And not only for ourselves, but also for human knowledge, for science. It will be so easy to dig deep underground and see what is there and us and maybe discover a life or some fossils of simple form of lives four billion years ago and then you know introduce something new to science and you know, the, the philosophy maybe uh, this will be big thing and I'm looking forward to it everything else what can happen on earth is is not as exciting as, as landing on Mars and starting doing some research and exploration and building new society. Miko, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and so thank you so much for your time. Is there anywhere that people can follow your story online? I use social media, but uh, I am quite passive user of social media. So I have accounts on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I can see that some someone follows me up every few days. But I don't publish too much because what I can uh, read and learn from others, the, the amount of information available takes consumes all my time. So, And I can see that you... And some other candidates are much, much better when it comes to sharing our experience as Mars One candidates or just sharing news about space exploration. There's a small group of candidates who are very, very active and I can see that they do a much better job than I could do. So <laughs> I only give presentations. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very polite way of saying that uh, some of us spam the internet a whole lot. So thank you, Miko. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. So, so thank you so much for your time uh, and all the best with the next selection round. Oh, thank you, Josh. And yeah, I hope to see you there and we'll have a great experience. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. See you. And that's episode 11 of the Future Martians podcast. A huge thanks to Mikolaj for giving up his time. Always a pleasure hearing his insights. In our final episode, Diane will be speaking to Devarshan, a South African candidate with a background in applied physics and mathematics who's now working in computer engineering. Very special thanks to Population of Mars for providing all the music that you'll hear on this podcast. You can hear more at soundcloud.com backslash pop. OF Mars. And finally, thanks to National Science Week for their support. Find out what's happening near you this Science Week at scienceweek.net.au. I'm Josh Richards, and you've been listening to the Future Martians podcast.